listening to PetLifeRadio.com. This episode of Six Figure Dog Business is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audiblepodcast.com forward slash sixfiguredog, S-I-X-F-I-G-U-R-E-D-O-G. Over 75,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Welcome to Six Figure Dog Business on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Ty Brown of SixFigureDogBusiness.com. Now, this is the show where we teach you how to start or grow your dog-related business to a healthy six-figure per year profit. Now, today on our show, I'm really excited because we've got another kind of a, a player in the dog industry, in the pet industry. We've got Mark Van Wy of Zoom Room. And so stay with us. When we come back, we're going to have Mark Van Wy. He is the overseer of all the day-to-day operations of the Zoom Room. And so give us a second. We'll be right back with Mark Van Wy. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Hey, boy. How you doing? What am I doing? I'm creating your own life book. It's a website that's just for you. Remember that picture I took of you pulling off Lisa's bathing suit? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm putting that awesome picture on your life book page. We'll see what comments we get. And that great video we took of you standing on the table with your head inside the turkey? That's definitely going on there. No, it's easy. It only took me two minutes to set up your page. I chose a great theme, and I can connect with millions of other pet parents. I can also create a memorial life book. No, not for Grandma, but we can make one for Fluffy, remember her? And we can even put links to our favorite pet charity, and friends can make donations. People can create their own life book for their pets by going to PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com or they can sign up on the Pet Life Radio homepage. Where's Lisa? She's outside by the pool. Hey, come back here. <coughs> Create your own life book for your pet. PetLifeRadio.LivingYearsPets.com Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Today, as I mentioned before, I'm really excited. We've got with us today Mark Van Wy, and uh, welcome to the show, Mark. Glad you're uh, glad so you're able to make it. Uh, oh, it's my well, pleasure. 
I ran across your business here recently, and the second I got onto it, I knew I had to have you on the show simply because you guys are doing some really cool things with marketing, with promotion, with uh, with running your business, and there's opportunities for a lot of our listeners out there. You know, if they're looking to get into the pet industry, you guys have a pretty unique thing going where they can get in to the pet industry on a much kind of lower level of of entry as far as monetary wise. Is that correct? Am I correct in saying that? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, compared to other brick and mortar franchises that are out there, we're certainly, you know, at about half the price of those. And we'd like to think quite a bit more fun because we, uh, we focus on dog agility, which is great obstacle course stuff, positive training and tricks classes and skateboards and basketball for the dogs. And, and we're a full featured, uh, canine social club as well with dog birthday parties and doggy disco. So we're really trying to make it a business that is uh, a joy to run as well as for the clients, obviously. And speaking of which, why don't you give us the full name of the company? It's, it's a long name. And so I know I'm going to mess it up <laughs> if I try it. So why don't you tell us what it yeah. is? My pleasure. It's the Zoom Room, but fully it's the Zoom Room Dog Agility Training Center and Canine Social Club. Okay. And I assume that's not your website address, correct? No, the website is zoomroomonline.com. Zoomroomonline.com. And so, like I said, I think it's a fairly new concept. So why don't you explain what is the Zoom Room? Where are they? Who are you guys? Absolutely. You know, the Zoom Room was created by our CEO, uh, Jamie Van Wy. The last name is similar because she happens to be my wife, who is the uh, national boarding chair of the Pet Care Services Association and has run her own dog businesses for, oh, wow, almost 15 years now and has consulted with uh, scores of others as a independent consultant helping people start theirs. And time and time again, with her own business and the people she was helping, obviously people want to play with dogs. And they think, what could be more fun than starting, you know, a dog business? But the reality of dog daycares and boarding and a lot of the other things is that if you don't know enough going in and you don't have the right model, you can end up stuck in a situation where there are so many front-loaded costs, where zoning pushes you out, not where you want it to be, where you're open 24-7 if it's boarding, which means phone calls at 3 in the morning or, you know, you have to have so many uh, kennels that you, uh, I mean, uh, you know, bays for the dogs that you need a lot of employees but the ones you can afford won't necessarily treat the dogs the way that you ideally would like to. And you don't end up with that picture you had in your head of just puppies playing in your arms all day long and getting paid for it. So she really created the Zoom Room from the beginning as a franchise, um, specifically to fill a niche that was currently unfilled. Um, She was having so many people asking her about dog agility specifically, and we live in Los Angeles, and even in such a large metro area, the only places you can find are way out in the country, really meant just for sort of serious dog sport people, and they're outdoors, which cuts you out of the equation for evenings or weekends, or if it's hot, rainy, snowy, we don't worry about snow, but for other parts of the country. So she came up with the Zoom Room specifically um, to create a business that's something that someone could come into with no prior experience, receive all the training, and be able to really focus on providing the services and, and able to run it as a sole proprietor. Okay. And so here in a second, you guys have done some really great things in marketing, and we're going to get into that. But before I do, those that are say, you know, listening to this and saying that sounds pretty awesome, you mentioned a, a few minutes ago that it's about half of a traditional brick-and-mortar business. Are you able to say kind of what investment level somebody could be looking at to come on board with the Zoom Room? 
Oh, sure. The total cost you're looking at, it'll depend on whether you're in the middle of a huge expensive city with real estate or, or somewhere else. So typically the costs run around 90000 to 160000 That's sort of just a ballpark. That's money that includes everything soup to nuts, your, your uh, real estate, your first three months of rent and your equipment, your fixtures, everything. Um, our franchise fee is 35000 That's the only part that comes to us. And the rest of it is all the usual suspect, your, your landlord and contractor and, and vendors. We don't actually sell the equipment to you. So th- that's your t- rough total cost you're looking at compared to most um, other brick and mortar pet franchises like uh, pet resorts usually start around 300000 or so um, for your oh, okay. all-in cost. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, later on in the interview, I want to get into more about how people can contact you if they're interested about that. But the a big portion of our listeners are those that are already operating a business. And so that's one reason, like I say, why I wanted to talk with you. Because you guys are a company that are, you're up and comers. You, you guys are a fairly new company, if I'm correct, right? Didn't you guys just start a few years ago? We actually started franchising nine months ago, and we already okay. have five locations uh, in every time zone. And it looks like we should have eight or nine by the end of the year, at the least. Oh, that's awesome! And so that's where I say you guys are. You're a new company, new to franchising. And yet, you guys are doing some really great things as far as your marketing goes. And so, I know that there's a lot of things that uh, that I can pick your brain about that our listeners can get some some really great information and some actionable items that they can start using today. And so, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about that I know that you guys are experts at is social networking. And this is like this is the buzzword. This is the hot topic. You know, at all the marketing conventions, at all the marketing teleseminars that I attend, things like that, everyone's talking about social networking and social marketing, and and yet so few people are able to actually pinpoint what it is and how to do it. And so I want to just take a couple aspects of that and get your opinions and and borrow a little bit of your expertise. One thing I know you guys is social bookmarking. I know what Facebook is. I know what Twitter is. But can you give us a, a, you know, a elevator pitch for what social bookmarking is? Sure. Social bookmarking is a way to share what your favorite pages on the web are with your friends or by friends, anyone who comes to respect your opinion. So you can make yourself into really a tastemaker. Some of the most famous ones are Dig, Delicious, Reddit, StumbleUpon, um, but even sites that are used for other types of networking like LinkedIn really function as uh, social bookmarking as well. It's a chance for you to say, hey, this page is great. Check it out. You can even include a review or not, and as your sort of library of recommendations grows, it's a chance for other people to stumble upon those and discover pages they might not have otherwise. Okay, so the small business owner that's running a a grooming shop or a Zoom room or a dog training facility, how are they going to use that? Because if here I am, I'm bookmarking my own site, and I'm saying, hey, look, I've got a cool site. Who else is going to care about that? How, How can we use that? How can we implement that in our own businesses? There's no shame in, in, in flagging your own pages, so, so that you don't have to feel bad about. But very much as with Facebook or Twitter, it is all about the give and take. The, the online relationships are extraordinarily similar, I find, to real-world relationships, which means if I'm constantly saying, hey, Ty, will you promote me, will you promote me, and I don't do anything in return, and I never you know, tell anyone else about six-figure dog business, you, you'll grow very quickly tired of me. So you can't just be a constant mouthpiece. It means 
looking at what other people are bookmarking. Do some searches. You can go onto any of these sites, dig, delicious, stumble upon. Look what the things are you're interested in, whether it's grooming or training or boarding, and find something great. And you can start to follow some of those people. And again, just like the Twitter paradigm, they will turn around and do the same as you. And you can start actual conversations and find who some of the great players are and um, kind of vote a thumbs up for the things they're voting for and, and vice versa. And these aren't all commercial sites being bookmarked. It might be an article in the Wall Street Journal, um, uh, a great picture that someone found on, on Flickr. So, um, you know, really it means just a lot of give and take and putting in the time to get to know who the neighbors are and who the big players are and um, showing them a little love. Okay. And so it sounds like what you're saying is, okay, you've got to provide value. You know, if you're constantly just promoting, you know, check this out, check this out, check this out, yeah, you become a broken record. No one wants to hear you. And so what you're saying is provide value, provide things of interest that other people are going to need and want and use. If someone is going to run a successful social bookmarking campaign, how much time are they going to spend a day doing this? Because I know that that's often a fear that a lot of people have. What do they need to invest time-wise in order to make this successful? It depends what they on their own site are hoping to be bookmarked by others. If you have a static website that has maybe six pages on it, maybe a, a home page and a contact page and a list of services page, then, you know, it's really you're only going to have those six pages bookmarked and hope to get more people to also sum up in your, at least your home page. But if you have a dynamic website or a blog component where you're constantly adding new material, you'll want to constantly tell the world about these new pages in as many different ways as, as possible through both uh, your subscribers and the feed readers, but through the social bookmarking as well. So I think it really depends on how much time you're spending creating new material you want to put out there. But I think if you even spend 10 minutes a day simply devoted to checking out what some of the people you've flagged as friends or connections who um, are sort of in the pet world, or maybe even just in the pet world in your state or in your city, um, just throwing some thumbs up around here and there, I think you'll start to get some attention for yourself and write a couple of reviews. But I really think 10 or 15 minutes a day, you can make a tremendous dent in just a month or so. Okay. Do you at all recommend outsourcing your social bookmarking campaigns? I, you know, for example, in the past, I've used programmers and I've used people in the Philippines to do some social bookmarking for myself. I don't currently do that right now. I didn't get a ton of value out of it. But have you found a way to outsource that and uh, and get some good results? No, I haven't. And and I, I really what we train our franchisees to do is we tell them that you know the moment they open their business and they hang their shingle, their phone starts to ring and it's not always clients. It's people wanting to sell them things. It's people saying, I'll put you number one in Google and I'll get you 45 million friends on Facebook. <laughs> and these are, of course, always too good to be true. And, and they are, but worse, it takes out the personal experience. You really are, you know, this is such a business built on, built on trust, whether you are a groomer, pet sitter, no matter what it is you're doing, you're caring with people's most cherished members of, of the family, their dogs, their puppies, and you need that trust. And we find that that personal connection, you know, pick your area. 
who are you serving? What is your demographic? Where do you draw the circle around yourself geographically? And just be as visible, real, and present a business owner in that area as you possibly can be. And if someone from the Philippines is doing your, your tweets for you, it comes out. If you use an automated service that auto-tags random articles and feeds them out at a specific intervals through Twitter or Facebook... No one's stupid. Everyone knows that's not you. It doesn't sound like your voice. It doesn't even sound like a human voice. And you are absolutely, even if you're spending, if you're paying them, you know, 20 bucks to do that, that's $20 you could have spent on a newspaper ad or, you know, buying thank you gifts for your best customers, something that actually really makes a difference. So we do not like to outsource at all. Well, and that's a great point. That's one of the reasons why I stopped doing it. I just didn't have an effective means of doing it and getting uh, getting value out of it. And so it was something I tried. I like to try a lot of things. It just didn't work very well. Yeah. And, and so that's good advice on your part. So it sounds like you're big on blogging then. Do all of your franchisees have blogs? Absolutely. Um, every single one gets their own blog. The only thing they have in common is a uniform look. So everything has the same style visually on the page. But um, we require our franchisees to contribute to their blogs every week. And that, again, is a way to be active and visible and present in the community, letting everyone know um, what they're doing, what events are upcoming, or even if they had a great dog birthday party the night before, put up the pictures, put up the video, let everyone know about it. And um, yeah, they enjoy it, I far as I know. And I think it's a great way for people to get more insight into the business, especially for their local location. Sure. You know, they say in marketing all the time, you buy from people that you know, like, and trust. And it's hard to do that on a website. But, uh, you know, with a blog, you can really start interacting and people can really see the, the human element. And it's not just the company, the Zoom room. And so it sounds like you have your individual franchisees kind of brand themselves within your brand. Is that correct? Yeah, and Facebook's another great example. They each have their own Facebook page. And I, I find the blog and Facebook, you know, in some ways, Facebook even more because there's such a, even though people can leave comments on a blog, for me, Facebook page is the opportunity for people to, you know, just say like or to write a quick little note and say, yeah, I went to that party and, you know, my Boston Terrier had an awesome time. You know, just that constant interplay back and forth does exactly what you're talking about, Ty, about the, the humanizing element to build up that that relationship of trust. So we really, really love our Facebook pages as well. Awesome. Well, that's great. And one other thing that I want to talk about uh, with you is getting free press. You guys are masters of getting press. You're so new in uh, in franchising, yet you've had a ton of press. And so we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to pick your brain, and I'm going to get some secrets here out of you on how to get some free publicity and how anybody, any of our listeners right now can do that too. So... Those of you listening out there, stay with us. We're going to be right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Hey, love to read, but just never seem to have enough time to sit in one place long enough? For all of us on-the-go people, Audible has the answer best-selling audiobooks for your iPod or MP3 player. For Pet Life Radio listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. 
Choose from hundreds of today's bestsellers, including awesome pet books, such as Bad Dogs Have More Fun by Marley and the author John Grogan, Love That Cat by Ingrid Newkirk, It's Okay to Miss the Bed on the First Jump, and Other Life Lessons I Learned from Dogs by Seinfeld's John O'Hurley, and many, many more. To download your free audiobook today, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash sixfiguredog, S-I-X-F-I-G-U-R-E-D-O-G. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com forward slash sixfiguredog for your free audiobook. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. Teacherspetsessions.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From ski drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition. This is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, and we are back. And uh, if you're just now joining us, we are with Mark. And he is, what's your title at the Zoom Room, Mark? I'm the COO, but we've been discussing so many online things. I feel like the CTO most days around here. But technically, I'm the COO. So you manage the operations, but you also manage the marketing, right? That's right. I, I handle all the, um, both our, we, we, for a franchise, it's a little interesting because we have a national marketing fund which is separate from everything else. That's really just to get the word out about the Zoom Room because we're new and to get people who are interested in opening one in their own neighborhood, in their own city. So that's one completely different demographic that we're trying to reach and and get the word out to those people. And then at the same time, we oversee and help all of our individual locations reach out simply to dog owners in their areas and to let them know about the different types of dog training and private parties and rentals and activities and events that we have going on. So it's sort of two completely different campaigns simultaneously. 
Excellent, excellent. And so now as small business owners, you know, your company, those of us listening, uh, as small business owners, we obviously understand the importance of leverage. You know, we need to leverage our time. We need to leverage our money. And in one area where we really need to leverage our money is in getting out publicity and getting information out about ourselves, whether that's advertising, whether that's free publicity, whether it's social networking like we were talking about in our last, uh, in the last break. We need to leverage our time and our money. And so one thing I wanted to talk to you about was getting free press because you guys are great at getting free press. And so some people think, okay, well, that's great for the Zoom room. You know, they've got several locations. They're a big company. They're getting bigger every day. They can afford to do that. Can the little guy, can the, can the one-person sole operator, can they get free press as well? Absolutely. And you're limited really only by your imagination and your hard work and your business model. I mean, simply what, what we tell our franchisees when helping them to um, generate press for them. I mean, obviously, we put, give a, have a PR firm we put at their disposal to help with some of the, the connections. But ultimately, there's a lot of pounding the pavement and a lot of phone calls. And it does take a lot of time. And what we tell them is visualize the headline. If it's a newspaper where you want to see an article about you, an editorial, not a paid advertisement, just write the headline down that you want to see about your business. Or if it's on the radio, the same thing. What would be the tag for the spot you want to hear on the radio or the announcer's lead-in on the local news on television? What is it that you want to see on the Chiron at the bottom of the screen? And once you can visualize that and think, is that something people would read, listen to, watch on TV, then you need to create that opportunity. You need to figure out what it is you need to do. If you are a, um, a dog walker, that's not necessarily newsworthy. But it doesn't mean that you have to, you know, rescue a dog from a well or, you know, walk the president's dog to get press coverage. But you are going to have to do something. You're going to have to sit down and think, why would someone want to read a story about a dog walker? As a, you know, don't forget slice of life. No one's going to do a slice of life on you. They may, but you can't, you know, bet your business on it. But mm-hmm. think of something that you could do to create that opportunity as opposed to just sitting and waiting for someone to discover you because it works for Lana Turner, does not work for the rest of us. <laughs> good point, good point. And so I'm going to put you on the spot here then. What are some good headlines? What are some good story ideas? And, and before I ask you that, I want to kind of highlight something that you said that I don't want our listeners to skim over because you made the distinction between an editorial and a paid advertising piece. And too often yeah. I see people blur the lines there. They're trying to you know, put out a press release about their company, but all it sounds like is an advertisement. And uh, you know, obviously the press is not interested in your advertisement unless you're going to pay for it. What they're interested that's in is a exactly story. Right. Yeah, they're, they're interested in a story that's interesting so that their people keep coming back and listening and watching and reading. That way they can keep selling the advertising. And so I just wanted to highlight that because you mentioned that. You said the key word right there, Ty, and the word is story. It, you know, whether you are a newspaper writer or a radio producer or a television producer, you're a storyteller. And that's what these, that's what all of the professionals in the media are out looking for, the next great story. And it's nothing different than what Hollywood's looking for in a story. It's something that people care about with relatable, wonderful human beings, always humans, not just dogs, and that has a beginning a middle and an end. A dog that was rescued, that had had a difficult life up to then, and then came to this great place where it had this type of attention and love and this experience with this family, and they did this with it, and now this dog is uh, 
certified therapy dog and is now giving back to the community. You know, you asked me to spitball. I'm spitballing a story. <laughs> That's actually a, a real story I'm thinking of from that we've seen happen several times at the Zoom room because we do therapy dog training and we work with a lot of local rescue shelters. So we actually have seen that happen. But that's that's a wonderful story. It's a story about, you know, a community changed, not just a dog's life changed and a family changed, but it is a story. It's something that someone would actually, you know, stop and listen to in the radio instead of switching their dial. And um, that's, you know, you, you have to figure it out for your own business. What is it? What's a story? Think about your best clients. The more you get to know them, the better. If you have a hard time answering this question, that's a serious problem, not as far as your PR goes, but as far as your business goes, because you should be able to be put on the spot at any moment and say who your customers are, what your brand is, what distinguishes you, what differentiates you, and tell us all about your wonderful clients, not their social security numbers and last names, but to be able to tell those stories. And if you can't, something's wrong with your business. You're not having that connection with your clients, and you don't know your model well enough or you don't know the, the sector, the community. And these are issues that you need to, you know, don't feel like a failure. Simply take a step back and realize, wow, I've been just going through the day-to-day -day for so long, I've lost touch, and make this a priority to really reconnect with your clients and with your own business. And then you can be the, you know, best evangelist there could possibly be. You bring up an excellent point there that I also want our listeners to take note of. If you can't answer that question quickly about what's unique and what's special about you, what's unique and what's special about your clients, then that makes you basically the same as your competition. And if people are judging you based on, you know, the same as your competition, you're essentially a commodity, meaning that people are going to be judging you based on mostly price. And if people are judging you based on price, that's not a fun business to be in. I don't want to be in a business where people are judging me based on price because then I have to keep lowering my price, keep being competitive. And uh, well, let me ask you about that. Where do you guys stand when you go into a new community to open up one of your facilities? How do you have your people priced? Do they try to be the lowest price in town? Do they try to no. be competitive yet offer value? How do you guys manage that? Competitive and offer value is a good way to put it. Um, we absolutely won't try to, you know, be the, the, you know, least expensive service in town. For a lot of our services, we actually are, um, you know, the only place that's offering a place where you can, you know, have great indoor climate controlled, you know, breed meetup groups and, uh, do agility on evenings and weekends. And, to, you know, a lot of the classes we offer are not available anywhere else, like special calm down classes for hyperactive dogs. And so in some ways, we don't have to necessarily look directly at a specific competitor. But in general, we're providing an atmosphere. If you compare, say, for example, to the experience of taking your dog to get trained at a big box retailer, it varies around the country. But in many of those, you're dealing with um, trainers of varying degrees of expertise and training. Sometimes you're in an aisle with iguanas and kitty litter and in, you know, fluorescent lighting or, or relegated to a small room in the back. And yep. clearly we're creating an atmosphere that is beautiful, sleek, modern, like going to an upscale gym. It is, you know, really like just going to the gym with your dog and everything is, you know, snazzy. There's free Wi-Fi. There's free coffee. It's, you know, there's, there's a lounge, which is also good for obedience classes because we can teach the dog not to jump up on the furniture in the lounge. And um, so we're providing an aesthetic where people will want to meet other like-minded pet owners. And, you know, our distinguishing feature more than anything else is we really celebrate the social aspect of dog ownership. 
Um, there's no dropping your dog off for training. It's only coming in with your dog. We don't train the dogs. We train the people who love them. And that's really our entire business model is deepening that communication between owners and their dogs and in the presence of other like-minded pet owners. Well, that's excellent because uh, the social aspect, I think, is really neat. And it sounds pretty pioneering because you're right. I mean, a lot of people, they envision training their dog in these kind of sterile I guess they're not terribly sterile, but these atmospheres of the of the UV lighting and the iguanas and the yeah. kitty litter and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, my own company, we operate a training company here in Utah. My own company, a great majority of our clients have already been to those, found that yep. they didn't, you know, get what they needed. And therefore, they're reaching out now for different training solutions. And so I think that's really cool that, you know, that people are, are lounging around. They're relaxing and meeting new people. How big are these facilities of yours, the Zoom rooms? Um, you only need about uh, just under 2,500 square feet. They're very small. We um, have our own custom agility equipment that is modular and um, uh, adjustable, which is great because we offer puppy agility classes, for example. We have agility very recreationally, not just for you know big sporting dogs, but we have 16-year-old dogs. We have uh, puppies. We have tiny chihuahuas, Great Danes, and so everything adjusts. And that allows us to have a much smaller footprint. Um, the, some of the spaces will get as large as about 3,000 square feet. And that extra space is really not extra play area for the dogs, but we also do um, specialty pet retail. We do training-oriented, um, solution-based, uh, eco-friendly products. And so for some locations, if you've got a great place where there's a community that needs some high-quality products and all-natural treats, then um, you'd want to set aside a little bit more square footage just to carry a larger inventory to better serve your clients. Okay. And so for those of you listening right now, I hope you've been taking notes. We've gone over some great information about social networking, social bookmarking. We've gone over free press, you know, how to make sure you're offering value and, uh, and how to price you know, accordingly. And so we've gone over some great information. I hope you don't take this information from granted because this is coming from somebody who's, who's now built a business that's got several locations, is franchising all over the country. So some really great information. Now, if you guys are interested, if there's those out there interested in getting more information, let me just get a little bit more information from you, Mark. So we're looking at, you know, 2,500 to 3,000 square feet metro areas. Is that where most people are going to be putting these? Absolutely. Uh, at least for our initial rollout for the first couple of years, we're only going to be looking at nice, good population dense areas. No, nothing too. We've had a number of people contact us wanting to open them in, you know, a more rural or remote area. We may consider that down the road, but right now we're looking at major metro areas. Okay. Do people need to have staff, or can this be run by a single person? You can run it all by yourself. Jamie actually, you know, piloted the business by running it herself for two years just to prove to herself that it was doable. Depending on how large you want to be, whether how extended your hours want to be, you may want to bring on a uh, front desk person to help with retail sales during the day. I think it's a great business for a couple to run together, or, you know, we have a, a father and daughter actually team is one of our franchisees. So I think, uh, you know, a two-person team is great just because with any new business, you know, the marketing alone is, is such a, an endeavor and we help every step of the way, but there's no getting around. It's a lot of hard work. And so the people we've been blessed so far that have signed on with us at this early stage are incredibly smart business people, really hardworking, and they know that this is, uh, you know, we've created something amazing and we're there to help them every step of the way, but they are going to be working hard. 
especially in that first year. And that's true for any business. And so luckily, uh, we have those folks there. Sure. What type of hours are typical for someone to be working? We actually require only 30 hours a week is the minimum requirement um, and uh, only a minimum of 18 classes per week. So um, it's set up so that you could run it really as a very compact business, only open for business 30 hours a week where you're deriving the majority of your revenue from all of the services, private training, group classes, rentals, parties. Or if you want to be in a much more highly visible area, you may want to opt for a slightly larger facility, open more extended hours than, than 30, which is, is very small as a time commitment for your business, and actually affect um, quite a, a substantive stream of revenue from retail sales in addition to all of the services. So we do offer you know these sort of two poles of ownership. It's the same either way. It's just a question of you know, what you want to get out of the business, what type of a Zoom room would you like to run, and what best serves your location. Excellent, excellent. And so, once again, why don't you tell people the website and the phone number that they can get in touch with you guys? Oh, absolutely. The website is zoomroomonline.com, and you'll see a uh, big franchise info button at the top on every page, so that'll take you right to the page that tells you everything you need to know about the franchise. There's a simple little online information request form you can fill out that takes a minute or two, and we'll be right back in touch. And um, if you want to just give a call, you can call 877-ZOOMROOM. So that's 877-966-6766. 877-ZOOM-ROOM. Either way, we are here to speak to you. Awesome. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. There's been a ton of valuable information. Like I said, I hope people start applying this information because there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of golden nuggets in there. So thanks again for being on the show today. Oh, my pleasure, Ty. Okay, so if you uh, listening today, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a future show, simply email me at ty at petliferadio.com or visit my website, sixfiguredogbusiness.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk with you real soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.